Connor, this week we're talking about Ole Miss football. And I want to use that as an excuse to sort of go behind the scenes of the home field operation because this is one of the schools that I feel like, and you would know best, people were clamoring for for mm-hmm. years. Like, yeah, five years. Gonna, yes. When are we going to get Ole Miss? You know, please sell me some, some Ole Miss gear, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I think you've talked about this in broad terms here and there, but like, what does it look like for you all to go get a new school and then figure out what their collection is going to look like? Mm-hmm. So initially, before really before Big New Saturday season two, which if you don't know what it was, it was a school launch campaign we did on the, uh, Twitter primarily, uh, where we gain some notoriety but so before that we really had to prove to schools when we were smaller hey we provide a unique angle so we'd go to a school we'd have a pitch deck and we'd say this is the angle we're providing that doesn't exist right now in your apparel offerings so we'd say i mean look at the design it's not it doesn't just look cool it's unique and there's stories specific to every school that's a really big selling point for us is thoughtful is what the core word we built the brand off of Beyond that, you know, the comfortability of it. And then, of course, the direct-to-consumer angle, which to people, just to average people who aren't in the licensing industry, that seems like, okay, that's how we shop today. But not many brands are direct-to-consumer. There are places you can go to buy apparel, but there are not many brands that go direct-to-consumer with collegiate apparel. So we'd come in and, you know, when a school's adding a new licensee, particularly a big brand, unless you can prove that we are going to add this completely unique angle to what you do, they view you as a risk, right? You Uh could embarrass them in a myriad of ways. I mean, kind of saw it this week with some crooked printing situations going on, right? Like that's... (laughs) Sure. I mean, I would buy that Dolphins jersey for whatever it's worth. With the the number 111? Yeah. (laughs) I know exactly how that happens and we're not going to get into the details today, but, Uh uh, um, you know... (laughs) Uh, to say we had to prove what we were offering at first. Yeah. Now, the last couple of years, it's less of a, hey, can we get licensed? Everybody in the industry knows who we are. They get what we do. Um, but that that was always the first step. Yeah. So then now what we do, we've earned the reputation of what's called going off art sheet. So a school, once you get the license, a school will give you standard set of logos. Mm-hmm just like their current marks and then their vintage marks if they have a specific vintage program. So we have to get approved for standard and vintage, but there's, you know, a set number of logos on each of them on these art sheets is what they're called. And for the most part, uh, most licensees are constricted to the art sheet. What we, our team was so good at doing was the research piece. I mean, I walk by our cubicles all the time where our designers are and they're always watching some football game from the seventies, like on YouTube. Um, to not just figure out like, oh, what did they wear? But like the actual story. And that's drawn out with um, even our our copy. You know, Taylor, our copywriter, does a phenomenal job of doing doing her research uh, pretty in depth to describe what's happening on the shirt or why we chose this logo with this text. What what it tells you about the story of a given school. Right. And so, you know, some schools, uh, they've given us the leeway to go off Archie and or the more we've worked with them, maybe at first they confined us to the art sheet and then they allowed us to do certain logos. And so, you know, some people will say like, man, home field, like how could you completely not use this logo? And, mm-hmm. and I just want to be there, sit there and be like, well, hmm, 
Do you think the company known for finding logos you've never seen was just completely unaware of this most popular vintage <laughs> logo? Right. But I'm not going to what I'm not going to do on Twitter is say, oh, XYZ school won't let us use it. So sorry. Right. right. We're not going to throw our partners under the bus. So a lot of the times, you know, it takes a while. Um, some schools, there are logos that we will never be allowed to use mm-hmm. um, for good and bad reasons. Uh, and so or not bad reasons, but, you know, justified reasons or other ones that they just want to keep under wraps. Right. Yep. Yep. And uh, yeah, so we'll pitch it to the school. Then then before we design anything, we'll we'll say, you know, here are the 15 angles we want to go with these logos telling these stories. Is there any reason why we shouldn't? And sometimes there are reasons, you know, with Indiana, we they didn't allow any uh, different tridents than the current one for 20 years because there were like five tridents in use at the same time. Mm-hmm. And in the late 90s, early 2000s, and they wanted to have established like brand, brand coherence, consistency. brand coherence. Right. Yeah. So then it was awesome when they right before Christmas in 2019 told us we got to use the oval. Mm. Big deal for us. <laughs> um, you know, so that that's how we go about it. So, you know, with a school like an old Miss that we dropped, just dropped or as we we're recording this. We literally just dropped Idaho and Idaho State. They look great, by the way. They're pretty. They're pretty yeah. dope. Yeah. Uh, both schools are awesome to work with. But they, they, you know, six, nine, sometimes a year plus in advance, we will send them over. Hey, here's what we're thinking, not design wise, but just stories, logos, because we don't want to go through all that work. We've done that before. We've designed 15 pieces and 12 of them get rejected. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we want to be aligned with the school. Uh, on the stories we're allowed to tell with with the apparel, so that's that's typically how the process goes. Once we get the thumbs up on that, we design them, we submit them. They'll tell us, hey, you know, put the circle R here, put a TM here, or you know, sometimes they'll be like, actually, I thought I could. I talked to my AD and she shut it down. Right? So yeah, yeah, you know, it's how it goes. So Ole Miss is in many ways, I think, a great candidate for this show. If if only from the home field perspective, because number one, love to dress up like mm-hmm. a fan base that just loves putting a fit together. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm sure like there are a lot of home field quarter zips and crew necks and uh, T-shirts and all of that all over the Grove this season. Mm-hmm. And number two, as we get into in this episode, a challenging school because and this is not a surprise to anybody has a lot of historic imagery that the school itself has worked away from the school like colonel mm-hmm. reb is the best example the, the, that's not the mascot that hasn't been the mascot for 20 years now but mm-hmm. we get into that with the guests that we have today we talk about uh the experience of being an old miss fan and and the last way in which i think they really fit for you personally, Connor. Old Miss fans, to some of them, not all of them, really do think that they are uniquely cursed. Mm. And like That's interesting. Do they have the most losses in FBS history, Ryan? I'm just wondering. Okay. I'm gonna say no, they don't. I'm just kidding, Old Miss fans. Sorry, I love you. <laughs> no, I think it's a good bonding moment because mm-hmm. If there are two groups that really want, that really believe and really want you to know that sports God hates them and them specifically, I think it's Indiana Twitter and Old Miss Twitter. Like, I think that's a real uh, reaching, reaching across state lines moment. 
Yeah, I'm sure Ole Miss football fans really want to be thrown in the same category as Indiana football. I'm sure that's something they <laughs> desire to be known for. I was very nice when I talked to them, and I didn't bring this up on the episode itself, but I'm going to let you listen to it for yourself. Here are the three representatives we have to talk about Ole Miss football. I am Alex McDaniel, and I am an Ole Miss graduate. Not a lifelong fan, because I don't think I really knew what it was until (laughs) I was a teenager, but it's certainly an important part of my life now. Um, so much so that I've kind of made fandom into a career and I run the website for the win. You can go to our website, read all of our content or follow me at Alex McDaniel everywhere. I'm Zach Berry. I went to Ole Miss for four years, graduated and everything. And now I get paid to cover recruiting and sports for them via on three and the Ole Miss spirit, which is an affiliate of on three. And I'm here to talk about the university of Mississippi. This is Bunky Perkins of at Bunky Perkins, uh, and uh, I am on this show because Ryan Nan- Danny asked me to be, and he is going to torment me for uh, some time about oldness sports in general, I believe. So let's start tormenting you right out the gate. W-A-O-M. What do these letters stand for? And perhaps more importantly, what is the feeling that they're meant to suggest? So they have two meanings. There is the um, dictionary meaning which is we are Ole Miss. It is a rally cry, uh, much like any university has, um, to uh, rally the troops, get everybody excited about whatever is happening at Ole Miss. But over the course of my fandom in the last, I don't know, 25-ish years, uh, it has taken on a second meaning, which is the more apt meaning uh, that denotes that – we continue to fail and have terrible tra- tragedies befall us because we are Ole Miss. We are Ole Miss. The meaning of Wom, as I call it, mm-hmm. um, has evolved over the years. So it used to just be a simple cheer that we did at games. And then the athletic department tried to make it into a thing we were really proud of. Like, yeah, we are Ole Miss. Look at all these great things we're doing. But it quickly um, became our rallying cry for whenever we assume a higher power has cursed us and doesn't want us to be happy. So I don't believe in it. I will use it sometimes as a meme, but I don't think Ole Miss has ever been particularly cursed with anything. But uh, a lot of people do. I am... Pretty sure that it stands for We Are Ole Miss. Okay. I will say, Ryan, I do not agree with this. I, I know okay. this is I know this has become a thing after bad things happen to Ole Miss with sports. Um I, I think I might have used it a couple times in college, but as I got older, I r- quickly realized oh, bad things happen to everybody. Um, so Ole Miss is not special. So what, how, how do people who believe in W-A-O-M, like, what does it mean to them? Like, what are they using it to suggest? I mean, like the, the first one that comes to mind is fourth and 25 against Arkansas in 2015. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a, we are Ole Miss moment. Mm -hmm. Um, just everything is going well. There is zero chance that anything bad can happen here, right? 
no, we're going to hurl the football back 10 yards. Someone's going to pick it up and run, and no one's going to be able to tackle anybody, and you lose probably, well, we'll see up until this year, the only chance you had at winning the SEC West and getting to Atlanta, which Ole Miss has had um, really two legitimate chances. 2003, they lose to LSU when the center stepped on Eli Manning's foot. That could also be considered a we are Ole Miss moment. Um, we could do an entire episode of all the chances they had in college baseball, um, different super regionals, um, just couldn't get it done. One went away, couldn't do it, but they did it a couple of years ago, finally got to the mountaintop and won it all. Um, that, that was a, that was a topic of, of, you know, that people were like, is, is we are Ole Miss dead now? Cause Ole Miss baseball won a national championship. Um, which, you know, I said, you know, it could have been done years ago when I was in school. And, uh, you know, I'm an individual won a national championship for Ole Miss tennis. Um, you know, recently Ole Miss women's golf team won a national championship. So, uh, it, but yeah, going back to this whole topic, Ryan, I, I've said that I don't believe in we are Ole Miss. Because it's not like the sports gods pick on Ole Miss and no one else. Bad things happen to people everywhere. I, I came into this as a a fresh set of eyes, a babe, if you will. I did not grow mm. up an Ole Miss fan. Um, I grew up in Louisiana. I grew up an LSU fan. Uh, my family went to LSU. Uh, we we were in Baton Rouge every summer at my grandparents' house. So I came in into it fresh. And so my sophomore year, I'm going to read this to you. Um, <laughs> this was, I wrote this down, is my first real We Are Ole Miss experience. Um, 1997, Ole Miss wins 24-23 in overtime against UCF. Okay, this is not modern-day UCF. No. This is your grandfather's UCF. They had a quarterback by the name of Dante Culpepper. Um, if you remember Dante Culpepper, he was a huge individual. Uh, yes. He was all of six four, six five. Just he was the modern day big running quarterback before there was such a thing. Great athlete. Okay, so this game goes into overtime. Ole Miss was not good. We were rebuilding after um, NCAA sanctions. Uh, thank you to uh, Billy Brewer and uh, those that came before him. And so Tommy Tuberville, a fresh babe. Uh, himself uh, was coming as a assistant from Miami to Ole Miss to rebuild the program. And this is what I wrote down. UCF loses when they go for two in overtime. Dante Culpepper trips over one of his offensive linemen when he has a hole you could drive a truck through to the end zone. He literally just tripped over his feet. And mm -hmm. at that moment, I was like, oh, God, like, is this what it is? Like, is this what being an Ole Miss fan is? Is like we go overtime with, at the time, directional Florida. Mm -hmm. And the only way we won was this big monster falling and tripping on his own two feet at the two-yard line. <laughs> and so that was my first experience. Well, you would say, well, that's a good – that's not really we are Ole Miss because you won. Oh, no, yeah. buddy. That was just – that was the aperitif. Uh, to what what was to come. Do you remember the first time you had the feeling like, oh, maybe Old Miss football is cursed. Maybe Old Miss is 
the victim of some cosmic plot. Arkansas 2015. Okay. Fourth and 25. Like, that was so insane. Everything that that went down, and like, it's cool for Arkansas or whatever. (laughs) I don't think you mean that. (laughs) It was just, the stakes were so high, and we were so close, but that one just felt personal. That felt like some spirit was like, absolutely not. You will not be happy. The first time was at that 2003 game. I was there. I remember, um, you know, this is pre, you know, advanced internet. So it's like, all right, we're going to get on the phone and call some hotels in in Atlanta. And we're going to look at tickets. You know, this is my father, not me. I was a young kid then. But that was one, um, I'd say, Ole Miss Jacksonville State. Mm-hmm. That was one, which to be fair, that Ole Miss team was not good, but still it's Jacksonville State at the time should have won that game. Uh, that was another one that that it was like, OK, maybe it is real. Maybe this is a thing. Um, Ole Miss is a big baseball school. Uh, it's one of the very few that take it very serious. Um, so those losses hit pretty hard. I was in attendance for all. Well, not all. Three, the three super regionals that were lost at home when you were one win away. I was at all three of those. Um, I mean, the countless times when the lights went out at the tad pad or uh, the roof was leaking or, uh, you know, (laughs) any of those times. Um, It's been a challenging existence, even if it's not necessarily a cursed one. Yeah. Um, And then we haven't even gotten into the uh, the now um, deceased mascot that uh, everyone loves to to discuss. That was when it got to the point where it was like, okay, it's time. Let's move on. And there was a lot of pushback for the longest time. And you're like, okay, we need to move on. This is this is not good anymore. Um, But uh, but yeah, I mean, there's there's been, you know, the. which some people say it was a we are all miss moment, but now you could point to it and say that it got Ole Miss Lane Kiffin, but um, you know, Elijah Moore doing the dog pee celebration. Sure, sure. And then missing the extra point and losing the egg bowl. And then uh Matt Luke loses his job. But uh hey, they get Lane Kiffin and mm-hmm. now look at him. So mm-hmm. could be uh, you know, the universe kind of correcting itself. I'm sure everybody says it's fourth and twenty five. Yeah, that is what everybody says. Yeah, yeah. You, we, we are a win away from going to our first SEC championship, um, and by all accounts, are going to win this football game. And then Hunter Henry just out athletes everybody, throws a just hope against hope ball back to to a throng of people, and of course their running back catches it, because who else would catch it, really? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And runs for a first down, and we lose the game. How much does this feeling of we are oldness persist, given, given I guess, like the more positive vibes that Lane Kiffin has mm-hmm. brought to the program, and the more positive direction that, you know, the Matt Luke years obviously... Uh, did not get anything going in the direction anybody wanted, but we're past Hugh Freeze. We're past the NCAA element of his tenure. 
Things from the outside seem to be going well. Is there part of the WAOM mentality that still persists today? It is still there, but it's not nearly as strong. Now, mm-hmm. we are Ole Miss extends beyond just football. It extends sure. to all sports. You know, you want to name Bryce Drew. There are several baseball failings. Like, it goes, it goes on and on. But ever since Ole Miss won the National Baseball Championship mm-hmm. two years ago, it's kind of changed things. So at that time, not only did you have – we won the baseball national championship – and in a year, like, in a year where it didn't look like no, Ole Miss was supposed to win, had no chance. We were the last team in, and then just caught fire and beat everybody, right? Which never, ever, ever, ever happens. And then you know we hire Lane about the same time. Uh, programs moving in a positive direction, and now when things happen that normally would be attributed to we are Ole Miss, it's still said, but it's kind of said tongue in cheek. Mm-hmm. And God, I hope that's how we operate from here on out. I'm, I'm not positive, that, you know. I'm not positive that that's always going to be the sentiment. But like that baseball championship bought a lot of, uh, bought a lot of time for just mm-hmm. everybody. I think I hope okay. it did for me. For people that follow me, they know I, I um, am a supporter of the Ole Miss golf team. Um, you know, I have been for several years, and and you know really try to follow those kids and, and kind of get involved. So um, this may be one of the most, we are Ole Miss stories and it's, it's not, it's not very mainstream. So, but it's, it's one of my favorites. Okay. So um, here's what I wrote back in 2019. Uh, so if you're following yesterday, coming down the stretch, Ole Miss had a four shot lead on LSU in the NCAA regionals. Okay. The winner of the NCAA regionals or the qualifying teams will go to the NCAA championships. Okay. Uh, almost had a four shot lead on LSU with just a couple holes to play uh, for the final spot in the NCAA championships at the regional. Then Sarut Von Chaset from Ole Miss uh, made a nine Ooh. on the 16th hole Ooh. and they ended up losing by one. That's bad enough, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a text the next morning from the head coach, Chris Malloy. This is how the kid made a nine. Here's what Coach Malloy said. He made a nine by losing a ball in the fairway. So he hit a ball into the fairway, okay, and then couldn't find it. Now, look, I'm going to defend him. I'm going to defend him like it's it's just him and two other guys playing and, like, maybe one score. So maybe they just didn't see it. Maybe it ran out in the fairway. Okay, so he had to hit another ball. So when he hit another ball, it hit a bird (laughs) midair, and the shot went out of bounds, and he made a nine. Coach Malloy then sent me the picture of the bird. <laughs> sure enough, the man to go to the NCAA championships still had a chance, hit a ball. Let's just say it was going to be on the green. He was going to make his putt. Yeah, we go. Yeah. Hits and kills a bird, makes a nine. That's. Look, I also don't believe that Old Miss is uniquely cursed by the universe. Birds hate us, clearly. But. But. Whatever greater power is out there, sending a bird into the flight bath of a golf ball <laughs> kind of makes me question that assertion. I'll admit the Lord, the Lord sent a raven. <laughs> How much is Ole Miss Twitter an accurate representation of Ole Miss fans writ large? So I've been asked that before. Actually, um, someone did a story about Ole Miss Twitter a few years ago, trying to get to the bottom of what it was. I think there's a core group of us 
who have kind of been around since the beginning, who are very good at laughing at ourselves. Mm-hmm. And um, all of us are connected. You know, we rarely, we don't disagree on much. We just try to keep things light and fun. However, the extended Ole Miss Twitter, <laughs> the fans who um, follow us or block us based on how they feel about what we say, mm-hmm. Um, you know, it can get really nasty like any college fan base. And it's mostly, I don't see a lot of it anymore just because of what Twitter is. But um, you see a lot of that around Egg Bowl time. You see a lot of that whenever Mississippi State does anything. And so I think it's really bad. I mean, I've been targeted a lot before by Ole Miss fans too. Um, but I... I want to believe that the core group of us who've kind of been around for years, that we are a better representation of what I think the core of the fan base is, which is we expect to lose always. So you've got to have a good sense of humor. You have to, or people are just going to make fun of you all the time for having hope. I I think most of the Twitter experience from Ole Miss is a little more cynical and -hmm. a little more jaded than say your typical Ole Miss fan, like you'll run into people, you'll go to a game and you'll run into people and they are as diehard as diehard comes. And they see the entire world through red and blue glasses. And I'm sure that's everywhere. Right. But I I think over time, like I think my, my shtick, I guess um, has probably graded on several Ole Miss contingents to where, they just because it's not the you know because of me being cynical or just me being realistic sometimes uh, may kind of grade on those people that just you know bleed old Miss sports and you know I, I think maybe some of that comes with just getting older and being more I don't know I don't, I don't know if maturity is the right word but just <laughs> I just got more tired. I just got yeah, yeah more tired yeah <laughs> exhaustion really is is what has led to all this so yeah I, I think there's there is a there is a difference as you know Ryan everything on the internet is true yes a hundred percent that's that's why it's there but uh, no I would say that that almost Twitter it, it, it's like a it's like a group of siblings and a group of relatives at a family reunion where everything's always going to start out great. Everybody's happy to see everyone. You know, let's, let's get a plate of food. Let's sit down and catch up. And then it quickly turns into finger pointing and fighting. Somebody, somebody gets monopoly out. I don't know. Yeah. Everybody wants to be the banker. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it almost Twitter is a literal food fight at a family reunion. Uniforms is a big one. Like I, I'm in a group of diehard uniform like fans. Like I love talking uniforms. Like I love the idea. I mean, you've got like Paul Lucas has basically created this empire of uni watch mm-hmm. and you've got uni swag. You've got all these people that just document uniforms. Now we have uniform trackers. Um, shout out to my boy, Randy Morgan. He does a fantastic job with that. And, like basically every school now has some kind of uniform tracker to keep track of what you're wearing every week for football and baseball, whatever. You've got people who are mocking up uniforms that don't even exist to sort of say, wouldn't this be cool? (laughs) Yeah. That's like probably one of the more contentious things for Ole Miss Twitter is the uniforms. Yeah. Um, Why aren't we wearing the gray pants enough? 
<laughs> why are we wearing camo helmets you know um yeah for the longest time i had to keep telling people like under lane kiffin like he for the most part i have it on pretty good authority confirmed that he lets the players pick mm-hmm. yet almost twitter will go after the athletic director the mm-hmm. head coach mm-hmm. um if they can find the equipment manager <laughs> They're friends and family. Like, it's your fault we're not wearing red jerseys against LSU. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, but almost Twitter can be, can be fun though, because, you, you know, the aforementioned national championship in baseball, I mean, that was probably one of the more fun week and a half, like week and a half on Twitter, where it was just everybody was just so happy and everybody's just, High, you know, internet high fives left and right, and you know everybody went to Omaha and they they win the the shot contest mm-hmm. at at Rocco's and oh man, it's just you know who's got it better than us. <laughs> um, but then you know it quickly shifts to more important things like uniforms and um, mascots and uh, you know why is the stadium still so bad. Um, why can we not put the students back in the south end zone? Um, can we please stop playing I Saw the Light at a college football game? It doesn't get people excited for the fourth quarter. You know, there's always something, right? So does then Old Miss Twitter sort of tie into a lot of the WAOM spirit in a way of sort of like everything is sort of viewed with I'm keeping an eye on this. I'm not necessarily buying into this. I think this might be bullshit. Yes, it's very much like a gallows humor type of deal. I mean, mm-hmm. this week's a perfect example. Ole Miss is three and up. Have they played? I mean, they beat Tulane, who was ranked, but Tulane's quarterback didn't play. They beat an improved Georgia Tech team, but what does that mean? Right. <laughs> and this week, they're you know, like Alabama's primed to lose. They've got you know, they don't know who their quarterback is. They look a little aimless on that end of the football. But I was talking to my brother, who is also an Ole Miss grad this week. I was like, you know, we've seen this movie movie before. 2002 is a great example. Uh, we had Eli. He was a sophomore, I believe, at that point, starting quarterback. Uh, we were really playing well. Everybody was super stoked about that game. We were playing in Tuscaloosa. My brother and I were both in school at the same time. And he said, hey, I'm going to go to Tuscaloosa. You? I was like, no, I'm not <laughs> going to Tuscaloosa to watch that. He went. Final score, I believe, was forty-five to seven. And my brother, my brother said, "I never want to hear another elephant trumpet the rest of my life." And so, I think there's a, I mean, there's a lot of that involved in it. And just you've seen this movie happen a bunch of times. I'm optimistic. Kind of hope we win, but like, uh, yeah, I understand. We expect to lose has sort of like a historical gloss on caring about Ole Miss. How much has that changed in the last, let's say, decade? There have been high points, you know? I think the hype around Hugh Freeze in the beginning was a huge turning point, also because we had a new AD, Mm -hmm. a new chancellor. There was a lot of momentum and media behind, oh, this, you know, this coach is going to change everything and that, First year he was there, we won six games, and we might as well have won the national championship. We were thrilled. One of the Compass Bowl in Birmingham. Um, obviously, we know how that era ended. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, 
you have all of that and then Matt Luke comes in and it was just sort of a disaster. But I still think by that point, fans, for the most part, had raised their expectations for who we would recruit after that um, as a coach and, and what we would accept for the school and what we wouldn't. Um, so yeah, when Lane came in, I think that was kind of a good resurgence <laughs> of uh, hope and maybe we're not going to be relegated to just being the bottom of the barrel anymore. But um, I don't know. I think so. I it's been 20 years for me almost since I was a freshman. And so I went through, I call it the Colonel Reb decade <laughs> where everybody it was just all mascots all the time. And we fought about symbols all the time. I would say the past decade has definitely been more sports focused which is cool. It's nice when Ole Miss can be associated with things that aren't tied to Confederate imagery. So let's talk about the Confederate imagery for a little bit. Um, I think people who are younger don't necessarily understand exactly how wrapped in Confederate imagery Ole Miss and a lot of other schools in the SEC, but Ole Miss especially, were in like the 70s, into the 80s, even into part of the 90s. But it's been a long time, to your point, since Colonel Reb was on the sideline, and things have changed in significant fashion. How do fans at this point feel about Old Miss and Confederate imagery, both in terms of what's not there anymore and what still remains to some extent? You're always going to have a group of people who are just mad because they believe in tradition for the sake of doing things the same way. Um, however, I will say, you know, 20 years ago, when they took Colonel Reb off the field was 20 years ago this month, I think. Mm -hmm. um, that was so loud and overwhelming. And every letter you saw in the newspaper was from fans who wanted him back. I That's totally shifted. And they're definitely in the minority. And Colonel Reb's certainly not the only example. But... When you look, I mean, look at the name, Ole Miss Rebels. Like, that's the big one to me that we're going to have to grapple with in the future because it's very hard to look at the school's history and find much of anything that wasn't rooted in the war, sure. <laughs> you know? Um, and so, but over the years, I, it's great. I'm glad, you know, they got the flags out of the stadiums. They got rid of the mascot. I'm not a fan of all the new mascots. But, you know, that's fine as long as it's not a Confederate gentleman. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm good with that. You know, I think there are more things that they're going to have to reckon with for sure. Um, but it's been pretty incredible to see the progress. And even, you know, I was editor of the student paper in 2009. And that's when we voted on a new mascot. And it's when they made the band stop playing Dixie. Um, well, from Dixie with Love, they didn't stop playing the other 20 versions of Dixie until 2016. <laughs> um, and I can't, I mean, I, my life was threatened over editorials I wrote, like my staff wasn't safe. It felt like we were in the minority and we felt like we were on the edge of something of like, we're trying to push the school into, um, into its potential and what it could be. And I think if all that went down today or if there was another controversy you're just not going to see it and i think you see that too when they took the confederate statue down like yeah there was some fuss about it but i mean if that had happened 10 years ago i think 
they would have had to shut the place down. Mm-hmm. So I could I can confidently say I think a very very large portion of the fan base is over it, and they're done. Um, there there are still people that make schedules and sell schedules. I don't know if they sell them actually; they just give them away. But the, the they're called the yellow schedule. Like it's it's a yellow rectangle. They have the schedule for all the football games, and uh, they do some kind of weird cartoon graphic with a plantation owner Uh and it's weird for the longest time they would do one where Colonel Reb was you know doing something nefarious or something sometimes violent to the black bear um because the people that were standing Colonel Reb obviously vehemently hated the black bear and thought it was dumb even though it was it it was a stretch but there was a cool tie-in with William Faulkner um which which I thought was was kind of clever and unique. It was still kind of silly. Um, you know, for the longest time, I've said, you know, mascots are for kids. Like, it, you, you see a mascot, you have kids, they're going to want to go up and probably take a picture. They want to, you know, high-five the mascot mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever. But when grown-ups are this upset about it, I think that's when you're like, okay, this is, this has become an issue. And not only is it an issue with why do you care so much, but also mm-hmm. how do you not see that there is an issue? Um, in the spirit of this show here, and we're not all like this, I will say there are, you mentioned all the Confederate imagery back in the day. I mean, it was everywhere. I mean, I, and and not to, not to, to pick on the Gators, I was unaware until like a month ago that they had a helmet. Yes. With a flag on it for one That's year. That's right. That's right. Um, you know, some would say that, you know, there there is another SEC West team that their nickname comes from a certain Civil War battalion or whatever. But Ole Miss, obviously, with the nickname Rebels and just how they just scratched and clawed for years to keep it, deservedly so gets a lot of a lot of bad rap on that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think now I, even the people that maybe 15 years ago, 20 years ago, were like, it's just a mascot. Who cares? You know, it's just an old man in a suit and whatever. I think even those people now are like, let's just move on. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's over. Um, and then now, I mean, it's just a complete layup in my opinion to just make Lane Kiffin's dog, the mascot. (laughs) And, And I mean, What's more Ole Miss than a than a British Labrador? <laughs> I mean, I have one in my house right now. I think the majority of the fan base, uh, if they're being honest, is happy with the change. Uh, you know, because it was it was problematic. It was a it was it was preventing the growth of the university. Mm-hmm. You know, it was stunning the growth. And not just in numbers and dollars, but just in, I don't know, some, some larger sense of, of, of growth. Um, and so I, I would say that, of course, are there pockets of people that want, want the flag and Colonel Red back? Sure. But, like, number one, that's not going to happen. Number two, like, those people don't have the university's best interests at heart. And don't have the student body's best interests at heart. And, you know, I came... It, it was really weird for me when I came. I came at a very like, um, 
like a, like a, a, a very volatile time at that university from that standpoint. So I, I grew up in, uh, as anybody that follows me on Twitter, I grew up in Shreveport, Louisiana, which is a mm-hmm. majority African-American town or city. Um, I went to public high school, I went to public, you know, public school all the way through. I had, you know, black friends my entire life. And so I thought Ole Miss was kind of a culture shock at that time. They were still waving the flag when I was there. That yeah. first year, they were they were they were waving the Confederate flag at games. I was like, "What or what is going on here?" Um, and from there to get to where we are today, it took way longer than maybe it should have, and took a lot more pain in the process than maybe it should have. But I'm happy that we are where we are. But I mean, are we done? No. I mean, there's still Confederate imagery in Oxford. Um, you know, not necessarily on campus, but there is some in Oxford, and that's maybe a greater issue for the city or the town than the university, but they kind of need to figure that out. But I would say, like like with all things in Mississippi, hey, man, we're trying. It's just not going to happen quickly. Do you think in our lifetimes they'll change the name? I don't know. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of – calling it Mississippi, mm-hmm. always have been. And mm-hmm. they did up until, uh, when I say they, I mean like the world at large, um, until the 60s. Ole Miss has been around since the late 1800s, but it was still used interchangeably. I think Mississippi should be the name. As far as rebels go, I mean, it's you cannot debate <laughs> the origin of that. I think I tweeted it the other day. Um, they started as the red and blue. And then they were the flood and people were offended because there was a real flood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're like, we don't want to bring this up. And they let Southern newspaper editors vote right. on what they wanted. And it was like rebels, Confederates, Stone Stonewalls, right. <laughs> like right. something right. else. Um, and so if they do, you know, I think it, it would probably happen sooner rather than later. And I think they know they have to do it, but they're trying to get ahead of like all the branding and everything else. It's hard because, you know, for me, and the name Ole Miss, too, a lot of people argue about this, but we've um, proven time and time again where the name came from. It's glorification of a, a slave owner's wife, white woman. And but also everybody in the circle still calls it that because we don't want to say University of Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Not because it's bad, it's just a lot. And it's <laughs> sure. easier to be like, oh, I went to Ole Miss. Yeah. So I think they're going to have to find some sort of nickname with that too. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, there are people who will never never change that. Uh, but I think as far as branding goes, like we've had, you know, a million mascots in the past decade. Like <laughs> we're always changing. <laughs> so sure. sure, if land just, sharks is on the table, lots of things can be on the table. I just think, personally, go back to the flood. I think it's great. the The flood was a long time ago. We can get over it now. If <laughs> <laughs> people have their tides and their green waves, we can be the Mississippi flood. But I know that's really drastic for people. It's it's a weird thing to think about. But if if you're gonna do this and if you're gonna separate yourself from Confederate imagery, you got to go all the way. You can't stop here after doing everything else. I would say no. And the, here's my argument for keeping it, I guess. I, mm-hmm. I don't have that big a problem with it. I see if somebody has a problem with it, I get it. Like, I understand yep. why you do it. Yep. Um, I think that while those two names, especially, I don't know, which one's worse, Ole Miss or Rebels? Like, I, I, I think know. it depends on who you talk to, you know? Right, 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 right. 
I, I think that you have to allow for those names and words to much like the university, like develop over time. Like it meant one thing a hundred years ago. It means something completely different now. And if you allow the definition of those words a hundred years ago to define the university now, then yeah, you need to make the change. But if, if, if you have the ability to separate those two things and realize that the university is growing, that the, the people that are in charge are making the best and right decisions that they think they can make at the time, right? They're still human, but they're, they're trying. Um, you know, I, I think you can understand that, hey, it's okay if we keep these things, um, you know, as long as we're willing to not only say, okay, it was problematic, then is it still problematic? Sort of an evolution of sorts where, yeah. where something like the Confederate flag is always going to mean what it means. Sure. But sort of embracing like rebels can mean something different. Right. In 2023. Right. right. But you know what? I'll also say if they came out tomorrow and said, we're changing everything. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Like if you think that's the best thing we need to do, like I'm not going to lose sleep over it. There are going to be people that would lose sleep over it tomorrow. But um, I, I'm not, I guess I'm not one of those people. It's, it's interesting that tradition is so powerful given that old Miss football does not have like a long tradition of success. It's, I think, you know, it's one thing when you're talking about a school where it's like, we've done things this way and we've acted this way and look at, look at all these banners and rings and trophies we have behind us. But that's not the old Miss football experience in modern yeah. times, you know? Yeah. It's funny because, you know, my dad was born in the 40s in Mississippi, so he kind of grew up in the heyday. Mm-hmm. And I come from a Mississippi State family, by the way. He and I were the only ones <laughs> who, who uh, went the other way with that. Um, I remember him saying when I was younger, talking about the Alabama game specifically, and he's like, oh, we you know, we always showed up against him. And he really thought that we had won a lot of games. I'm like, dad, that's one of the most lopsided rivalries that we have. (laughs) But it's memory, right? Like he remembers being a teenager and listening to the games on the radio and Johnny Vaught and everybody built this image in their head of what those days were. Um, And there was some success. But from 63 on, you kind of, you know, kind of tumble down mm-hmm. we, you, we had some highlights here and there <laughs> over the years but um it's funny to me now because the people who were around for that time or even the people who observed it like my dad like they're not really around anymore right. and so you have their children and their grandchildren who are maintaining a thing that they can't they're nostalgic for something they never experienced right, right. which just makes it worse yeah <laughs> all right well let's talk about mississippi state <laughs> I, I think my first question is just pretty simple. Has the Egg Bowl always been like this? Yes. The reason why the Egg Bowl is even a thing, the reason why there's the Golden Egg Trophy, is because there was a game where a fight broke out, someone started a fire, someone <laughs> crashed a chair over <laughs> someone's head, and both schools got together and said, we need something that's going to... Uh, bring us all together uh-huh. and in the spirit of sportsmanship like they really thought a trophy was going to calm everyone down a trans- like when you give a toddler a transitional object basically yeah. yeah and but even 
before they actually called it the Egg Bowl, you go back to, gosh, I want to say 1907, and most of the games they've played, this is back when they were A&M, most of the games they played were in Jackson. And if you read the newspaper articles from just the 1907 A&M game at the fairgrounds, um, I believe State won, and they went and bought a coffin. Like Students went and bought a coffin, wrote Ole Miss on it and paint, and just paraded it through the streets and put like a baby in there. This is 1907. So the roots of that rivalry have always existed, and um, we've certainly seen it become a lot more toxic and intense over the years but it's it's always been mean you know it's just like what level is it going to be this year uh, i mean it's a rivalry game sure in college football like in its truest form is really dumb and really silly <laughs> and just constantly doing ridiculous things um but no, I mean, there were there were a couple tussles. I mean, the whole rivalry initially started because of a fight that broke out. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was a brawl in the 90s. Um, it, you know, you've had that. And then I think it really got ramped up when Dan Mullen was at Mississippi State. And he really galvanized that fan base with like, it's it's not us against the world. It's not us against the SEC or the Alabamas, the LSUs, the Georgias. No, it's us against Mississippi, uh, against Ole Miss. And, you know, he stole the school up north from Ohio State and Woody mm-hmm. Hayes. And, mm-hmm. and it, but it worked. And then, it, you know, Ole Miss, you know, you, you, can't, you can't say Ole Miss. You got to say the school up north or you got to say T-Sun. Um, which Ole Miss has gone back and forth and played along and they would say them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like hype videos and stuff, they wouldn't say beat Mississippi State. They would say beat them, um, which I think that's great. Like that's what makes college football fun, and that's why we work in this space. Yes, because it's silly and we love it. But yeah, I think when Dan Mullen got there, and then him and Hugh Freeze would have their tit for tat, and they would go back and forth, and and all of that, and then Twitter has just made everything petty at this point. So. Um, yeah, I think it really got to where it was unbearably dumb in the, I don't know, what do you say that? The 20 aughts? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like 2012 to 2017, 2018. Um, it was, it was ridiculous. I think actually I've said this with several people that, when Mike Leach, rest in peace to to the King, um, and Lane Kiffin were hired, everybody was like, "This is perfect." Like those two don't care at all about the rivalry, and they like each other, so they'll make it fun and they'll make little jokes. But it's just a true joke. It's not like at times with Dan Mullen and Hugh Freeze, it was like, "This is it." Like. 365 days of bragging rights and rubbing people's nose in it at the office, on the internet, in group texts, whatever. Um, in litigation, in some <laughs> cases. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, it's it, it's it's funny when, like, one of my best friends went to Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. And when me and him have gotten to the point where, like, this is dumb. <laughs> like it's just football it's just baseball it's just basketball like right. 
it's not that serious. Not when I was in school. It really wasn't. I think it's ratcheted up here in the last, you know, Hugh Freeze, absolutely. Dan Mullen stoked those fires. And I think the, it's hard to like judge it from a statewide perspective but like if you insulate yourself and put on like the twitter blinders of things mm-hmm. like it's, mm-hmm. it's insane right it's cr- or like the just the internet blinders like the yeah. message board yeah. it, it yeah. really got nuts and you had certain people that were you know internet savvy and, and were were known on both sides that kind of stoked those flames and you'd have it I think I think the insanity of the the uh, egg bowl the last few years is the same reason we had a January six coup is <laughs> because <laughs> people got people were too online. Yes. If they had just gone home to their families and thought about <laughs> something else, we probably could have avoided so much heartburn. Is is there a point in, in your sort of rooting life where you thought like We've gone too far. It's gotten too much. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, not to make it about me, but this, I was very naive to this rivalry. And I think part of that was not growing up in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And my dad exaggerated a lot. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, that's just a him thing. This isn't a big deal. Obviously, I go to college. I learned something else. But I still didn't really understand. Um, when My second year out of college, I was working at the state paper in Jackson, and um, I was dating somebody at the time who worked for the paper and he covered recruiting um, for Ole Miss and State. And this was that big recruiting year uh, where Mullen and Freeze went back and forth. And um, th- when Freeze tweeted the compliance thing. Mm-hmm. So I think it was like a week or two before signing day. A lot of state fans felt that my boyfriend was slanted against them and they couldn't figure out why. And he's from New Jersey. He went to Maryland. Where's his Ole Miss favor? Where is it coming from? So one night he and I go, I think to watch like the NFC championship game. And it was like a Sunday night. I didn't feel good. I just have on like an Ole Miss sweatshirt. He is wearing a red jacket with a blue lining. And we just happen to be at one of those places where like those society people take Mm -hmm. pictures of Mm -hmm. you. (laughs) And of course, like the absolute worst Mississippi State fan known to man found that photo. I still do not know how to this day. Um, And of course, they saw me and some of them know me on Twitter. They see his red and blue jacket and they're like, this is the smoking gun. It was brutal. I mean, they had message boards that just destroyed me. Um, I had to get my mom to stop reading. I mean, I had just never been targeted like that. And I'm I was just amazed uh, and I, not to say that that's just behavior I've seen on state side. I've definitely seen it on our side too. Um, but it got so personal so fast. I mean, they were calling my boss demanding that I be fired because I'm biased. It was like a whole campaign just over these teenagers and which school they were going to go to. <laughs> so I think that's when I really understood it at that point. Yeah. Like this is not just about students. There are a lot of people invested in this to the point that they will ruin your life. So given that level of uh, overinvestment, let's say, and we're talking the week before Mississippi supposed to play Alabama, would Mississippi fans rather beat Alabama or beat Mississippi State in a given year? Um, Mississippi State. Why is that? They, okay, here's what I would say. 
Ole Miss fans are going to tell you Alabama. Uh -huh. It's Mississippi State. Um, like I, that's I'll never forget it. Like I, um, I was watching the State LSU game nine years ago. This was shortly before my dad passed away, and I was home visiting him. And um, I was like, God, State and LSU. I don't even know who to root for. And he looked at me like I was insane. And he's like, you root for LSU. Um, it, it just, yeah. So, but it's the Egg Bowl. I mean, I think in years when it's super lopsided and one team is really, really good and the other's bad, then, you know, I, I think they accept their fate. But nothing will make an Ole Miss fan angrier than losing that game. They get much more upset about it that game than the Alabama game. Alabama. Beat Alabama. Because at the end of the year... Like, you want to beat Mississippi State. I personally always want to beat Alabama just because I didn't grow up in the state. There were so mm -hmm. many people that grew up in the state of Mississippi who had, knew a lot of people at the other school, right? I didn't know anybody yeah. at Mississippi State. I've been to Starkville twice in my life, mm -hmm. you know, maybe two more times than I wanted. But <laughs> it, it, I just didn't know anybody. And I think the crazy thing about it is at least the makeup at Ole Miss has changed considerably. There, when I was there, it was very Mississippi-centric. If you came from out of state, you were kind of an outsider. Now there's so many kids that are coming from Tennessee and Texas and Louisiana and Arkansas and, you know, surrounding states where they don't have that built-in animosity toward the other school. And I think, you know, as as Lane attempts to up the profile of the program, I, I always want to beat Alabama, LSU, Georgia, who, whoever else more than I want to beat State. It's Alabama. I think that now there are layers to this question because mm -hmm. last year in 2022, Ole Miss started out hot and then just crashed and burned at the end of the year. You lose to a really bad Mississippi State team at home. I think that that just the whole, like the combination of all the different variables there with you start out hot, you're ranked in the top 10, and then you lose in just the most awful way possible. You get blown out on the road against Arkansas. You you have the game in hand, chance to win against Alabama at home. You don't get it done. Um, you know, you get up 17-3 on LSU, you lose. Then you lose at home to your rival, Mississippi State, who, all due respect, I, Ole Miss had no business losing to them. That's where it gets to to the point where it's like, you, you got to beat one of them. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. you, you can't lose to all three of your rivals um, if we're lumping Alabama in there now. Um, but no, I mean, if you, again, I think it depends on who you ask in the fan base. Yeah. Most people would admit beating Nick Saban in Alabama, especially this year on the road, is far more important. Because if, if you think about it, Ryan, if you handle your business all throughout September, October, and most of November, at that point, if you lose to state, it's just a bragging rights thing. It's right. not going to really affect the postseason outcome. But I, I mean, I I personally, you'd rather beat Alabama. On the topic of rivalries, Ole Miss has had Vanderbilt as its permanent opponent, <laughs> cross division, for a long time, and and the Ole Miss Vanderbilt series. Extends far beyond that as well. I think this is the opponent Ole Miss has played the third most behind Mississippi State and LSU. You live in Nashville. 
we've talked mm-hmm. about baseball a little bit. Is there any juice to the old Miss Vanderbilt football game? Like, does it does it have any friction, any sort of like back and forth to it? Uh no, but <laughs> the friction comes from just get in and win and get out. Yeah. Because for years it was and it's they've had various opponents like like Arkansas is like this, Mississippi State, obviously. Um, where the games are just always weird and they don't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Like Arkansas sp- specifically. I mean, they're, I mean, you can look at that Wikipedia page and, and see some h- hilarity ensue. But I, I, yeah, I mean, Vanderbilt is always like, it, regardless of the coach, they are always just scrappy and they uh, honestly, <laughs> all due respect to the Commodores, I mean, every game is their Super Bowl against everybody. I mean, they're they're hardly ever favored. They're always going to. That's where you play up. It's us against the world. Yeah, right. If you're Vandy and Clark Lee, but yeah, I mean, it, it's a game where Ole Miss has had the better team just about every single time they played in the last. I don't know since 1894, probably. <laughs> um, I mean, Vandy won that game, the first ever meeting, 40 to nothing. Um, but uh, you know, last year. Ole Miss was down at halftime. Everybody was like, what the hell is happening? Or is this a here we go again moment? And then they 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 quickly figure it out and, you know, win. I think it was like 52 to 28. Um but yeah, I mean, that's a game where it's truly like an like an like a September non-conference game where you're like, just win, nobody get hurt, and and, and be done. That's what Vandy is. Um and give them credit over the years, for the most part, regardless of who the coach is, they are typically physical and play hard. And so it's like, all right, we, we got we got to make sure we win one. Don't get anybody hurt. Yep. And then just you know, let's get get on to next week. Just get it over with. You know, it's kind of like a like going to the dentist and just <laughs> get in, not, get out. We're not going to the dentist to get style points. We just no, don't want no. we just don't want them to pull out the heavy equipment. Is anxiety juice? Sure. That can be that can be a form of it's juice. It's always sure. anxiety because you're never supposed to lose to them and something mm-hmm. crazy always happens. Like I've been in those I've been to those games where, you know, it, it's they may have one or two really good players that can kind of keep the boat afloat and we have one or two things happen that are typical Ole Miss things that help the boat sink. And so they kind of, you know, their water levels meet at some point and it's kind of a crapshoot after that. Um, yeah, it, there's not juice, but just because Vanderbilt's fandom in their student sections and just their, their current situation, just with their football stadium and everything, like it's hard to get up for that, right? And mm-hmm. there's not a lot of cross crossing of the streams from a fandom standpoint, you know, and so... I think it's just more like anxiety. I am so glad they're off our schedule. Like, I just, that's just one less thing I got to worry about in a week, in, in, a, in a day's time. <laughs> you know, take, take this burden off of me. No, I think that's always been a fun game. Like, I'm sad that it's going to go away because you always kind of look forward to it. Um, I think there's this idea, too, for a long time, 
Ole Miss would call themselves. I don't know if the school ever did this, but it was a really popular saying around Oxford that we were the Harvard of the South. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think there are like 12 schools that do this, but I that absolutely believe that Mississippi is one of them. Yeah. And so I think the mentality when playing Vandy is just like, you're not that smart. You're smart too. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to beat you at football. We're the Harvard of the South. So I think you have like that lightness, but to me, it's just, it's a fun game. Usually the tailgating is fun and people come down. I've never um, had an interaction with like an unruly Vandy fan. Yeah win or lose so um i'm just sad to get see it go because i really like when teams who have played for a hundred years keep doing it but no there's nothing really intense there okay so let's talk about coaches we mentioned a handful already but when you look at the the recent list or at least the list of like people our age can clearly remember you've got tommy tuberville lane kiffin obviously Ed Orgeron, Houston mm-hmm. Nutt, Hugh Freeze, like David Cutcliffe. Don't David, forget. Sure, sure, sure. I, I, for my purposes, David Cutcliffe doesn't fit this argument, which is that Ole Miss frequently has a real character as the mm-hmm. head coach in a lot of different directions. These guys are not all the same. They don't have the no. same approach, but they are performers in various senses, and they. Uh, they really bring a lot of personality, whatever you interpret that word to mean, to the role. Is that a necessary condition to succeed as the head or to even get the job as the head coach of Ole Miss? Like, could you could Chip Kelly come and just sort of be like, yeah, we're just doing football. That's it. Only if Archie Manning loved him, I think, Okay, which is why David Cutcliffe got the job. David Cutcliffe right. was the most boring man on the face of the earth. That's right. why he went to Duke. <laughs> Coach should do for all those years. Um, I think it's I think it's more than just Ole Miss. Maybe a Mississippi centric thing. I've never really thought about that. So you think about the coaches that have been at both Mississippi State or Ole Miss. Yep. The the ones that are a cult of personality are typically the most successful. Jackie Sherrill, yeah, very very successful. Mike Leach for yep. what he was started to get that train rolling a little bit. Dan Mullen was certainly like stoking, like he knew how to talk to that fan base, if nothing else. Correct. He did. I don't think he ever liked the fan base, but he certainly knew how to talk to to him. But then, like Joe Moorhead, nobody cared about Mm -hmm. Joe Moorhead. He was so boring. And I think the same goes for Ole Miss, where the guys who are called a personality maybe kind of wash over some of the inherent problems with coaching at a big school in Mississippi when, you know, if. If you had to do it all over again, if you, if you were creating Mississippi, which good luck, but if you were <laughs> if you were creating Mississippi, you would just have one school, right? You would just right. have an LSU, you would just have a Tennessee, because there's enough talent in that state to like be competitive. But when you're splitting it, it, it you've got to have something else. And I think that that cult of personality that both teams have hired over the course of the years has helped. I don't know, bring some attention to that, those schools that otherwise it wouldn't have. Uh, I think it can work on both levels where you mentioned Cutcliffe and Matt Luke. Um, I mean, heck, Tommy Tuberville to a certain extent. Um, Billy Brewer was like that too back in the 90s um, where it was like, oh, they're, they're one of us. Mm-hmm. Like they're an Ole Miss man. Like that, that's like, that was the thing. Like, there was a lot of push for Matt Luke and 
you know, oh, he, he's been there, done that. Like, he played at Ole Miss. Like, he grew up in Mississippi. He, he came to games when he was a young boy, and, you know, he is one of us. Mm-hmm. Like, that was a real thing. Um, but then on the flip side, you've got, you know, Ed Orgeron, who had hype for different reasons. Oh, like, well, he was on staff with Pete Carroll, and he's won the big games. Like, he's recruited at the highest level. Why can't he do it here? Like, why not us? Like, that was kind of the the mantra back then. Um, it didn't work. But then, talking about, like, unique and extravagant personalities, you know, Hugh Freeze. He's a Mississippi guy. He's got the, you know, the... The like, you know, tent revival, mm-hmm. you know, prosperity gospel vibe, um, you know, that that shtick worked for a long time. And then the NCAA came calling and we all know what happened. But yeah, I mean, that resonated with a lot of people. A lot of people in the South are big on going to church on Sundays and Wednesdays. And, um, you know, he he got up there and he did his politicking and, and you know, pressed the flesh with everybody and, yep. and people love that, you know, oh, he's just like me, you know, he goes to church and, you know, he loves football. Uh, and then you've got Lane Kiffin, who I think has kind of seamlessly slid in perfectly. And you talk about Ole Miss Twitter and just kind of the tongue-in-cheek vibe of most of the fan base. I mean, Lane Kiffin honestly fits Ole Miss perfect. He's a troll. Y'all are trolls and he's a troll. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he he was trolling Nick Saban this morning with Taylor Swift. I mean, come on, what's more Ole Miss than that? I mean, he it's it's funny because I think in like the purest sense of like Ole Miss fans, and this kind of circles back to the "We Are Ole Miss" mantra, where for the longest time, I don't think, and maybe still now, there are some fans that still feel this way. Ole Miss fans like never really took Ole Miss or themselves serious. You know, the whole, like, well, we ain't never lost a party. You know, I, I I hate that. And just as a pure fan and someone that, like, wants to win games, who cares if you won the party? <laughs> I'm 35. I don't, I don't care about winning a party. Right. Like, you're you're happy to be 0-0 at the Grove before the game kicks. Yeah. You don't want to go back to the Grove 0-1. Right. Um. But like Kiffin, I think now he he wants to win. You know, don't get it twisted. Mm-hmm. He's a competitive dude. He's wired to be a head coach. But he, I would think he would admit to you at this point in his life with everything he's been through, he doesn't take himself as serious as he used to. And I think that's why he fits Ole Miss so well because Ole Miss, not that they don't take themselves serious, but the fans, I think deep down know like, it's just sports. Mm-hmm. Like, if we win, awesome. Like, we love that. But if we don't, I think the more mature Ole Miss fan now is like, it's fine. We got next year. I think the biggest hurdle that, at least that my circle of Ole Miss friends that we've tried to get over, and I think we finally have, is whenever a new coach was hired, like, they would typically stay local or they wanted a good Mississippi boy, hence Q Freeze. Um or at least someone Southern, like they wouldn't consider anything outside of that. And so I think if a coach comes in and wins, they don't really care. 
but I do think you had an interesting run there of Orgeron and, you know, he was so hyped. And that was my, my freshman year was cut clips last year. Mm-hmm. And when Orgeron got hired, I mean, it was instant. Like t-shirts were made. People were putting bumper stickers on their car. Do you remember the, um, the bumper stickers for George W. Bush, it just said W. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so yeah. they had that for Edo, and everybody <laughs> had one on their car. And the merchandise was just incredible. Um, and we know how that turned out. And then, you know, you bring in Houston Nutt, and he's got his whole thing. I think it's more just kind of a, a weird coincidence. The thing about Lane, especially, like, Lane doesn't act like that in person. Yeah. Like, he'll get some jabs in at press conferences, but the way he is on Twitter, I think has been so fundamental. And I say it all the time. Like he's the most on brand coach they've ever had. Okay. Why is One, that? Um, because he looks like a divorced dad. He, I mean, he is, Destin, he is. So. And he's always mad. Yeah. He, like he's always frustrated. He's yeah. not mad, but yeah. he just hands on the hips. And like, he looks like a divorced dad at like the outlets and Destin, who's just like, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> Load up in the suburban. I want to be home, you know? And I mean, that's kind of the vibe. And I'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing, but he he looks a lot like an overgrown frat guy. He looks a lot like guys I went to school with, just an older version. But I also think, too, just his pettiness mm-hmm. is fun, you know? And that's certainly an Ole Miss quality. Uh, more than anything is, like, find the superficial stuff to poke at people about but you know like with Hugh it's interesting because I certainly would never tie Ole Miss to any sort of predominant Christian you know like Bible thumping certainly that part of the country is so I guess by default it is but it was weird with him coming in especially over the years as he got more and more vocal and um, you know, washing the blood of the lamb and everything else. And you saw fans like I would see it on Twitter and it, it would be this massive support. And it's like, we're so glad you're on a, you're a Christian man on a Christian campus. I'm like that campus. <laughs> I've seen that <laughs> campus at its worst. There's nothing Christian about it. Um, but he was winning. Right. You know? And I think um, so that it worked with the recruiting obviously, but I always thought that was the strangest fit um, to have this super Christian coach knowing that the thing that your football brand is most famous for is everybody getting drunk in a field, you know? (laughs) You mentioned tailgating, and I'm going to ask a question that's probably going to get us both lit up on Twitter. Oh, God. Is the Grove overhyped? So I'm writing something about this right now, actually. Uh, I will. I I will first say I have never been, so I don't ask this from experience. I just know that if there's one tailgate, everybody talks about it's the Grove, and and pretty much every whatever's in second place is that far far distant. Sure. So here's what I think, and this is actually the main point of the column I've been trying to write for weeks. Still haven't finished. Um. The Grove, as described by media outlets, is a very small lens, and it's the same tense every time. It's the same words every time. I saw one the other day. You could just copy and paste, like, the idyllic oaks and the blah, 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 and the fine china and the catering. That is not the whole thing. But if you are 
to believe that, that everybody is out here in like thousand dollar dresses and all this stuff and you get there, then yeah, you do think it's overhyped. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes me sad because I think if people experienced it but didn't have any expectations, they'd love it. Um, my family had a tent for years. We were definitely not people bringing fine china. We had a TV in the tent. That was the most luxurious thing we did. But we had like Chick-fil-A nuggets and solo cups and, you know, a bunch of whiskey. And I would sit on a cooler. I didn't even sit in a chair. And I would say the majority of people in the Grove, it's just, it's supposed to feel fun and at home. And like all of the extravagance is a very limited part of it. And I know people will disagree with me on that, but I'm talking about the stuff specifically in like the New York Times articles mm-hmm. and Southern Living. Mm-hmm. They're seriously going to the same six tents every time. So, so and, what's like the, the fuller picture of the Grove then? So it's a lot. It's a lot of just wild, like you have drunk college students, you have older people who again, are in love with the Vought era and they go around like holding court. My dad used to be one of those people. He would just <laughs> hold court with my friends about, you know, Ole Miss. You have, um, you know, like Archie and Olivia walking through. You have a bunch of kids who are playing with footballs or dressed up like cheerleaders. It's like a big family reunion. Mm-hmm. Like that's the vibe. Um, it's a lot more down to earth than it's painted, I think. Um and that's what I love about it. I think if it were how it's described and everything, I would feel really uncomfortable. And I didn't even, you know, I was in the marching band, so I didn't tailgate until I my senior year for the first time. Um, first time I ever drank on a game day. It was amazing. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> oh, this is cool. Um, you know, and you see some intense stuff too. Like I've definitely walked in the women's bathroom in the alumni building and saw, you know, a girl doing lines on the counter. <laughs> like <laughs> You've got broken heels. You've got PDA. You've got all sorts of just wild, wild stuff going on. And I always say, like, the Grove is decadent and depraved. It sounds like a wedding meets a high school reunion meets summer camp, like the last yes. day of summer camp. Absolutely. Everyone's just so hyped, but it could be a non-conference game. <laughs> but if you're out there, people are just excited and it's cool. Like people do decorate and they have the chandeliers and, you know, some people really do go all out. And I think that's great. Um, it's just, but it's just so different depending on where you are and, you know, whose tent it is. And, you know, there's just a lot going on that I don't think is really covered. So if you come expecting, um, you know, to eat off of like fancy plates and with cocktail glasses. Yeah, at some tents you will. That's just not the vibe, though. Probably going to catch some strays on this one. <laughs> it, I will say it depends on who you ask and at mm-hmm. what point in their life. Okay. Break I that think, down a little bit for me. So for some some brevity here, I was in school 2006 to 2010 which I guess doesn't really matter, but, you know, at that time, the Grove was, I mean, that was everything. That was what you did eight times in the fall. And you'd get out on Friday, you'd run, you'd save your spot, you'd put your tent up, and then Saturday morning, me and my roommates and a couple other friends, 
We'd get our food together. We'd get our coolers packed. We'd get the TVs packed. We'd get down there. We'd set up everything. That was what you did. And it was literally you planned everything around that. And you'd go to the game. You'd come back. You'd eat the rest of your food, drink the rest of your beer, the rest of your bourbon. You'd watch the night games in the Grove until they told you to, hey, time to clean up, pack everything. Then you'd leave. Um, now as a 35 year old, it is not my bag. Mm -hmm. Um, it's now to the credit of the university and everyone in admissions, they've done a fantastic job promoting the school. It has grown tremendously over the years since I've been there 13 years ago. So more students, the football team is better. Um, there's a certainly more hype and more excitement than when I was in school. Uh, Cause I had uh, my time there spanned Ed Orgeron and the good and bad of Houston nut. So like 08, 09, it was, it was pretty hype. Like it was fun. And then 2010 bad. Um, and then before that Ed Orgeron, well, yeah, come on. It was, it was a joke, but um, so yeah, there's more people. Um, it's more, um, I wouldn't say commercialized. It's always been a big thing. It's been a big deal. I mean, honestly, that's probably the one thing people ask you the most, right? If you meet someone like living in New York and Chicago, if I told someone I went to Ole Miss, it was one thing. It was either how cool is the Grove and like, is it, is the hype real? And it was like, do you like the blind side? Those are like <laughs> the two main questions. It depends when and where you go, okay. I think. Break if that you, down for me. Yeah. Okay. If and it depends what kind of attitude you're going in there with. Like, it depends. If you're coming for the LSU game, like, that's just a great time. You know, I, I think uh, everybody's excited. There's a lot of people around. You know, there there's a bit of just ridiculousness to it. Like, I, I and look, I, coming from, not coming from an Ole Miss family and not coming from Mississippi, I bought into it hard when I was a student there. I wore a coat and tie to games until I was, uh, I think, a junior. And then I realized how dumb that was and started <laughs> started dressing like a normal person. Um, but, you know, part of it for me, I, I may be making back to one game a year at this point. And so there's a bit of nostalgia to it. So, like, I, I really want to get into it and do the whole thing. I think it can wear on you over the course of a year if you're going to every game. Like, that's a lot, man. That's 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 getting ready for a party every every six days, and like it it, it would be exhausting. I just want to take a nap at this point. <laughs> uh, so is it is it overhyped? Yes, I think if you go a bunch, but like for a first time, I think a first time, I've taken a bunch of people for their first time. I, I've taken guys from Oklahoma. I've taken guys from New York, like all over the place, and they've had great times. And so, like that's all you can hope for. Yes. Talking to Ole Miss fans really crystallized for me that there's a tricky balance that goes into being a fan of a sports team. If you care way too much, the wins start feeling more necessary than they are exciting, and the losses all become these overwhelming moments of frustration and anger. And if you decide to be more aloof and not really care at all, well then there's no meaning to success and you've diluted your own joy to avoid pain. I don't really know the right path to follow, and I've kind of fishtailed between both of these extremes myself. Sports, 
a real fun way to learn about emotional regulation. Thank you to Alex, Zach, and Bunky for chatting with me this week. And as always, big thanks to Michael Serber for producing this and every other episode of We're Not All Like This. One more shout out to our sponsor, Homefield Apparel, and look out for next week's episode where we will examine a very rare tooth-having bird, the Louisville Cardinals.